believe God to be, what he is like, is the single most important factor in your life. Look, let me say it, state it plainly. It is our knowledge of God that determines what we believe, how we act, how we spend our money, how we spend our time, how we parent, the choices that we make on a day-to-day basis. That is shaped by who we think God to be or how he acts or doesn't act. Does that make sense? Really, our knowledge of God becomes the ultimate template, the ultimate paradigm through which we see everything. So as New Year's kicks off, my goal and Dan's goal, because Dan will be teaching next week, is to bring sharply into focus our picture of God, our understanding of God, by looking at what's called His attributes. His attributes. Uh, When we use the word attribute, we typically refer to the qualities that belong to someone, right? She has blonde hair. He has this. He, you know, he's tall. Uh, But we also use it to describe the characteristic of person. That bloke is grumpy, right? She's so nice. It's a characteristic of that person. It's a, a feature that uniquely defines them. In the case of God, his attributes, when we see this word attribute, refers to his character, his nature his perfections, his essence or being. So again, whenever you meet a person, you want to know what they are like. And for us to know God, we must know what he is like. Our worldview is governed by who we understand God to be. Our worldview is is understand. I was um, at a surf shop yesterday, and there was a bloke there, nice kid, and he said, oh, how was your Chrissy? And I said, oh, my Christmas. No, I didn't say that, no. <laughs> Don't you ruin that whole, no, no. I said, oh, that was good, good. What'd you do? He launches into all this, you know, I won't, fill, I won't, I won't share it from, from here, but you can imagine. Well, why? Why is he doing all those things? Why is he living licentiously and just just doing all of these sinful... He probably doesn't even understand what he's doing, that it's even sinful to start with. He He definitely doesn't know that I'm a pastor. Not that he probably would care, but nevertheless, why? Well, he has a view. I'm gonna live for myself, my own leisure, my own pleasure. He's a functional hedonist, right? Not heathen, though he is, But hedonist, he just lives for his happiness, his pleasure, what makes him feel good. And the choices that we make, they're not just random, right? Last year, when Russia invaded Ukraine, there's a reason behind it. Like, Putin has a reason. I'm not going to launch into all this stuff. But but there's, there's a reason that he invaded. It's not like he woke up one morning and goes, how about we invade? Like, there's a whole long history there. 
because he has an idea of what Ukraine should be or how big Russia should be. You with me? So that said, I want us to start off this series by thinking on God's attribute. And to start off, this one is, this is a banger. Like this is, this is weighty. But it's helpful, and, and it's honestly, it's a necessary place to begin. So are you ready? All right. Today, I want us to think about God as self-existent. Self-existent, or you could say God as self-sufficient. Basically, God alone is God. God has life in and of himself. God has life in and of himself. So, there's a, there's a phrase here. There's, there's going to be our points. God's self-sufficiency. But there's a, there's a fancy little Latin phrase that theologians throw around to describe this term of God's self-sufficiency. It's, it's ready? It's aseity. Aseity. Ase in Latin means from himself. Now, I'm nervous at this point. I'm a bit nervous. I mean, I should be nervous talking about God's aseity, right? But I'm a bit nervous that some of you are already checking out. I mean, oh boy, here he goes again. Doesn't, he, doesn't, doesn't, doesn't the pastor know it's New Year's Day? He should be happy we even dragged ourselves here. You know? Look around, man. Half the church isn't even here. And he's throwing out Latin terms? You're joking, right? Come on. How about five ways to plan your 2023 so it's successful and you have friends and, or whatever? Or you can, five ways to pray to God. Really? Come on. Well, before your eyes glaze over, I, I want you to think about why, why we're even bothering to talk about God's aseity, right? God's self-sufficiency. Why, why would that even be important? Be, well, for one, it's taught everywhere in Scripture. Not the word itself, but the, the, the meaning, the principle behind it. And we have to be able to grasp, like if you imagine, you know when you enter into uh, like the Royal Easter Show or, or wherever you go, right? And the, the, there's a first, that's probably a, a bad illustration. I'm thinking of another one. But when you, when you enter somewhere, you, there's like stage one, stage two, stage three, I can't think of a good illustration here, but, but when you enter into somewhere, you have to have like first stop here, and you, unless you get this first stop, you, you can't get to stage two and three and four. You, you still with me? Okay, I can't think of a good illustration. I could have worked, sorry? Yeah, 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 okay, thanks, guy. Yeah, yeah, you can't go, can't get on the airplane to get the security. Actually, first you have to check in, right? Check in online or whatever, right? First you have to get a ticket, you have to know what airline you're flying on. Don't do Tiger Air, right? All right, so... So this is kind of our, here, here's why we're talking about aseity, because if we want to talk about God's holiness, that's next week, that's Dan. If we want to talk about uh, God as unchangeable, we have to start here that God has life in and of himself, that God is independent. Because if God is dependent on anything or anyone, then none of the other attributes really make sense. You with me? This is sort of like, this is going to color the rest of his attributes, who we understand God to be. So that's the first reason why we're doing it. The, the second reason is there's a massive distinction. I got a news flash for you. Ready? New Year's Day. 
There's a massive distinction between the creator and the creature. Between God Almighty and you and me. Massive. Massive distinction. And what God's aseity shows us is exactly that. We're going to see that in a minute. And lastly is this. Here at 299 Henry Perry Drive on the 1st of January 2023, I'm with a bunch of theologians in this room. You may be good ones and you may be bad ones, but you are all theologians. Do you know why? Because every time you open your mouth to say something about God, you're making a propositional statement. It might be crummy, it might be false, but you're still making a statement. It might be good, it might be uplifting, it might be true. You're making a statement about God. So wouldn't it be important to say the right things about him? Like imagine this. Put it this way. Imagine, uh, you know, most of you have, unless you're, you're an independent contractor or uh, like Chris, you do your own landscaping or whatever, but, but many of us have bosses, right? So imagine for your boss, um, you're interacting with some of your coworkers and you start making unilateral decisions, like big decisions, like what's going to like shift the whole company or uh, don't roast, roast a certain amount of coffee beans for Adam or what, whatever it might be, right? And, and all, all of a sudden, again, this doesn't work if you're an independent contractor, but catch, flow with me here. Imagine you start just making these huge statements and then people listen to you, like that your coworkers start making massive decisions that like could potentially bankrupt the company. And your boss comes and goes, what are you thinking? Right? Like, your boss like, shows up to these people and says, what are, you, what are you doing? Why are you making these decisions? And they say, oh, well, well Ross said it was cool. Sorry, Ross. Or so and so. And the boss says, oh, sorry, is, is Ross the boss? That rhymes, but... <laughs> right? No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm in charge here. And then, you, and then you, you know, you get pulled in by the boss, and the boss says, what are you saying? He says, uh, well, I don't know. I just felt like it seemed right in my eyes. It seemed like it made sense, so I just kind of threw it out to people. Are you joking? You're putting words in my mouth. How do you think that's going to go? Well, either you're going to get written up or fired or whatever, right? And, and none of, most of us wouldn't be that dumb to do something like that because you know you get fired. Why do you think, why are we so careless when we talk about God so often? The creator of the universe who holds our very breath in his hand holds eternity. Our, our eternal destiny is, is based on him, not us. Not us, God alone. So why are we loose with it? Well, again, we are all theologians. So we have to understand who God is, who his character is, in order to rightly talk about him. So do you remember when God appears? Do you, do you remember this? Do you remember when God appeared to Moses, the burning bush? Right? And Moses said, who am I to go back and to, and to say that you are? Who should I tell people who, who sent me? And, and if you've watched The Prince of Egypt, it's like, I am what I am, right? Or Charles Heston, right? Or whatever it might be. We all know the phrase, I am that I am. Or you could translate that, I will be what I will be. Listen, listen to that phrase, though, without just the familiarity of it, just sort of going, oh, yeah, 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 I already know that already. No, 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 I will be what I will be. Do you, do you hear how God is saying, I am self-existent? He is uncreated. He is, God is uncaused. 
He possesses life in and of himself. So what I'd like to do this morning is really flesh out this massive concept, these three points. First, God's self-sufficiency means that he has life in and of himself. That's the word aseity, right? That's what that means, and we'll see that through Scripture. But secondly, he owns everything, and he needs nothing. So if you want a roadmap, that's where we're heading. That's where we're going this morning. So he has life in himself, he owns everything, and he needs nothing. Let's pray that the Lord would speak to our hearts as we learn these truths about him and his character. Lord, we come to you as needy. You have no need of us. You are completely independent, self-sufficient, and we come to you as needy sinners, as people who are finite and weak and distracted. And be honest, probably one or two don't even want to be sitting here this morning. Lord, change our hearts by your Spirit. Show us Christ. We pray in his name. Amen. So let me ask you a question, okay? Since you're all theologians, let me ask you a question. Did God create us? Did God create us? Yeah, thanks, Judy. Did God create us because he was lonely or desired companionship with others? In other words, before the world existed, did he have a need inside himself that was perhaps unmet? Now, to answer that, before you just throw out an answer, let's look to the Bible here. I want to look at a number of passages that talk about God as self-sufficient, as having life within himself. So here's where we go, okay? So there's, this is the, we're camping down this first point. You still with me? God has life in and of himself. Now, when you hear that, you might seem, that seems very abstract, like very bookish. But if you just pull back for a second and, and just consider the creation of the universe, this idea makes a little bit more sense. For instance, Psalm 90 says that God existed before there were ever planets or stars or anything. Psalm 90 verse 2 says this, Before the mountains were brought forth or ever you had formed the earth and the world, here's this phrase, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You see that description? From everlasting to everlasting, God was never created. And by the way, he didn't create himself, that would be nonsensical. He is the creator. He never came into being. He always was. <laughs> I just I think about that. That should puzzle you. That should boggle you like, wait, 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 hold on a tick. You shouldn't go, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you say, yeah, 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 you don't know, you don't understand, you don't get it. You're actually not thinking. His existence, God's existence, is determined by himself. So we are born into this world as infants, right? Last time I checked, that's not, you know, debatable. And we come from a mom and a dad. Well, we're born into this world, though, totally dependent. 
So there was once upon a time when every single person in this room was an infant. And we were completely dependent on our parents or on our caretaker, whoever that might have been. Our existence, the, the re- re- reason we're there, yes, God, but it's, it's derivative, is it not? It's, it's, we didn't, you didn't decide, I'd like to be born January or February or whatever, whatever year. It's derivative from God Almighty, obviously, but then, you know, from your parents. And your mom gave birth to you. Now, J.I. Packer captured this really nicely. And my own, and, and kids, I, w- I want you to think about this quote here. Not just kids, but all of you, all of us, right? So children sometimes ask, have you been asked this before? Who made God? That's a fair question as for a kid, is it not? Who made God? Packer says, the clearest answer is that God never needed to be made because he always, he's always there. He exists in a different way from us. We, his creatures, exist in a dependent, derived, finite, fragile way. But our maker exists in an eternal, self-sustaining, necessary way. Necessary, that is, in the sense that God does not have it in him to go out of existence, just as we do not have it in us to live forever. We necessarily age and die because it is our present nature to do that. God necessarily continues forever unchanged because it is his eternal nature to do that. That's really good. Our nature, our very existence is contingent in every way, but not so with the Lord. Our triune God doesn't receive any of his life from an outside source. He has life in and of himself. That's why Jesus said in the Gospel of John chapter 5, For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. Do you understand what that entails? God isn't dependent on anyone or anything for his own existence, his own nature. He's not dependent on anyone for his own happiness. You know, the world can continue to go pear-shaped. You ever, I always think a lot, like, again, I watched several recaps of 2022. I think, what's going to happen this year? Good, bad, don't know. God knows. But even if it all just goes pear-shaped, God's not going to bite his God nails up in heaven. His happiness doesn't depend upon the condition of the world. He's not crying in heaven, hoping someone does something. God isn't dependent on anyone or anything for his existence his nature, or even his own happiness. Which, let's circle back here. Listen to this. So why did God create the world? Was he lonely? If he was, maybe God was lonely. Perhaps he needed to fill that empty hole in his heart. And that's why he decided to create the world. And that way he could have friendship with others. And now that we're here, right? Now the world is here. Well, God is not so lonely anymore. Because, because of us, well, he's, he's complete now. He's, he's, he's fulfilled. Does that seem right to you? <laughs> Good. But that's what so many churches are communicating through their sloppy songs or their sloppy teaching right here on the Central Coast. Do you understand? They really are. But in reality, 
God's not a needy God, is he? It's not as if he was bored, twirling his thumbs, desperately lonely prior to creating the world. God does not need any part of creation in order to exist or find purpose. He is absolutely independent. Even if this world wasn't here, think about this. Even if this world didn't exist, if no, nobody was here, if no, nothing existed, God would still be infinitely loving, infinitely just, and eternal, and all-knowing, and good, and merciful, and perfect. God always operates from a status of wealth, not need. Yet, he uses his absolute freedom to serve the needy and to save sinners. He bears patiently with rebels like us. He walks with us through our sorrows and dwells with us in time and in space. Ponder that. It's mind-blowing and really gives you a sense of wonder and awe of who God is, doesn't it? That's a God we can worship and trust even in when our current circumstances might seem dark and depressing. That's why the psalmist could write, Who am I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Friend, listen. If everything in your world 2023 goes complete pear shape and you get kicked in the teeth several times, right? If everything were to turn pear shape in your life and all that was left for you on this earth while you breathe is suffering and pain, you could still rest in the Lord and trust in Him who is your salvation and strength. Why? Because God alone is self-existent. He is good. Matthew Barrett. And, and let me say this. A God that doesn't need us, or let me reverse it, a God that would need us has really no ability to save us. Does that make sense? Because that, that God needs. Where a God that's independent of us still loves us, now comes to rescue and save us. So Matthew Barrett has a helpful little, I'll give you a quote here. He says, if God were not life in and of himself, if he were not independent of us, then he would not be worthy, qualified, or able to save us, let alone worthy to receive worship and praise. If God were not self-sufficient, then he would be weak and pathetic, for he would be needy and dependent too. He would need saving, just as we do. He would be a God in our world, but not distinct from our world. We might pray for this God, but definitely not to him. It's good. You see, friend, it's precisely because God is free from creation that he's able to save sinners like you and me. He has life in himself. Yeah, I was chatting with April this week, and, you know, I, I, was, I was saying, you know, how... how how, how can we grasp this? Because we're sitting here now, and there's some good, like, you know, it's, you know, it's so fun about preaching. I, I, I love these truths. Like, I've studied, studied this. Uh, it's not, you know, this is not my first wheelhouse of a sermon or whatever. And I love just hearing it. Not my voice. My voice is probably the worst part about it. But I, I just love hearing these truths about God. But, but 
you hear these rich truths and you're kind of like, whoa. And if you're really, if, if again, if, if you're paying attention, if you're taking this in, it's like, whoa, this is massive. God has life in himself. He's self-sufficient. He's independent. Da, da, da. And then you sort of stand up from here after Dan comes up and plays a song. And then you're like, happy new year. And you're like, oh, a lot of things are still closed. And that's New Year's Day. What's, what's my brother doing? All right, burnt, burnt. And you got three text messages or whatever. And then you just sort of go on throughout your day and, you know, Maybe you go play on a beach toy if you like to surf or whatever you want to do, right? And that's sort of your day. And then tomorrow happens and then some of you go back to work or next week or whatever it is. How, how, how is, this, is this going to land without just seeming kind of interesting, metaphysical, if you want to use a big term, or, or kind of these big concepts about God, but where is that, how's that actually going to land anywhere? Well, here's what I, and I'll actually, I can do this because there's only a handful of us in this room. I can print this out for you if you want. Maybe I'll just go and print it out after this. Um, There's a helpful little paragraph that I think is worth actually printing out, which again, I can print this out for you guys, and you can slap this bad boy on your fridge. And the reason I say your fridge is because, you know, you you go in the morning and what's the first thing you do, right? Well, I don't know what's on with the first thing you do, right? But but eventually, eventually you go to your fridge to get milk or juice or bread or whatever you're doing. You go to your fridge at some point in the morning. Yeah? yeah? Good. And there, and you see in your fridge, and half the time, oh. for me, I always grab the milk out, and I'm making coffee. And like on our fridge, it says, what is providence? Right? And providence is da-da-da-da. And, it, and it, the answer is from the shorter Westminster Catechism. Okay? So here's something worth slapping on your fridge so that these truths don't just sort of wash over you, and you're getting excited about it here for a couple of minutes, and then it's gone. This is super wordy, and I'm going to read it to you, and that's the reason I think it's worth me printing out and you slapping on your fridge is because you're only going to cap, if you're anything like me, (laughs) you're only going to be like, I got about half of that, all right? So, Westminster Confession, chapter 2, look at this. God hath all life, glory, goodness, blessedness in and of himself, and is alone in and unto himself all sufficient, not standing in need of any creature's which he hath made, nor deriving any glory from them, but only manifesting his own glory in, by, unto, and upon them. That's, that's a lot of words there, but I'll print it out for you guys. That's chapter 2 of Westminster Confession of Faith. Um, and, you know, I'm really tempted to go on a rant here, but I won't go that long. So you're like, oh, I don't like the Westminster Confession of Faith. I don't like, I don't like those things. Can you say that any better? Seriously. No one in this room can say it better than that. Myself included. So, so, you know, before... Oh, that's not the Bible. Duh. But that's a good, that is a good summation of biblical truths. So, get your knickers out of a knot about confessions. And, and start drinking them down. Especially good ones. So, God's self-sufficiency means He has life in and of Himself, and He owns everything. That's our second point. He owns everything. Now, to show you this, let's turn to Psalm 50. Psalm 50. Well, it's about time he got to the Bible. He's doing all these confessions. Okay, so Psalm 50 in the Old Testament. So when you you think about the nation of Israel, what do you think? What do you think? Throw it out. Give give me your word here. Nation of Israel. Nothing? Sinful. Good, honey. God's chosen, yeah, those are both true. Idolatrous, 
The law? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All, all those things are true, right? We often think that nation of Israel, we think of God's chosen people, yes, we often sort of always imagine them going off the rails and like you said, say, less sinful. Well, but they, some, they somehow just keep kind of coming back. Why? Because God's covenant relation with them. You with me? Like it, that God has pledged a covenant, brings them back in. Psalm 50 begins with the Lord summoning the earth. When God speaks, he expects to be heard. Look at Psalm 50. The mighty one, God the Lord, speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to its setting. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God shines forth. So the Lord calls all mankind, and Israel in particular here, to listen up because he has something important to say. God's people, Israel, are a people in covenant with the Lord, and this covenant has been established by sacrifice. Now, verse 5, he says, Gather to me, my faithful ones, notice who made a covenant with me, by sacrifice. Okay, the nation had been chosen by God to be his people. He established this by sacrifice. But here's the problem, and it's a big problem. Israel thinks that God needs their sacrifices and that they can use these sacrifices as a way to bribe God. Pick up with verse 9. I will not accept a bull from your house or goats from your folds. For every beast of the forest is, is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the hills and all that moves in the field is mine. But we'll keep reading here, but you're already catching it? The, the creator of the universe, look how he's responding to his people. He's, he's not in need of anything. He owns everything. He's, you can see how God's saying, I'm self-sufficient, right? Verse 12, if I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world and its fullness are mine. Do I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? Offer, notice, notice here. He doesn't say, stop your sacrifices. No, no. What does he say? Offer to God a sacrifice of what? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. To thank God. We're the receivers. God is the giver. You see? Notice there. Offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving and perform your vows to the Most High. And call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. Wow. It's amazing. It's honestly amazing. This nation shouldn't approach him. Do you hear the language there? Do I drink the blood of goats or whatever he's saying? That's, that's how the other nations functioned and worshipped their gods. These pagan nations. Trying to get what they want through manipulation and, and bribing. But Israel's approach their creator by offering a sacrifice of thanksgiving. The Lord doesn't need this people. He owns everything. God doesn't need Israel. Israel needs God. There's an interesting um, scene. Uh, I'm, I'm hesitant to talk about the show because of some of the bad stuff that surrounded the main character of the show, but I'll just uh, talk about the, the scene itself. There's a scene. Um, it's a classic show from the 80s and the 90s. Um, the Huxtables. You with me? And... Um, and in that show, uh, there is 
uh, the, the dad, the mom, they've got kids, and, and one of the girls, her name is Vanessa, and she gets into a fight, into a tiff at school. She comes home all frustrated, and she says, she, you know, she got into this fight, and, and says, none of this would have happened, none of this would have happened, right, uh, if her classmates hadn't called her, a, you know, a stuck-up rich girl. So anyway, she's sitting there explaining all this to her parents. She concludes... You know, none of this would have happened, mom and dad, if we weren't so rich. And there's a long silence. And her dad sits up, folds his hands like he does as Mr. Huxtable, and says, let me get something straight, okay? Your mother and I are rich. You have nothing. You can tell your friends and your enemies that. I love that. If you're a parent, you can resonate with that. And this is not only true with our kids, how much more with the creator of all? Not one breath we take, not one minute of time, not one single dollar that's in our account right now or in our wallet is truly ours. It all belongs to the Lord and he can take it away in an instant. So when we serve God and when we give to him, we should do so out of thanksgiving, not forgetting that he owns everything. He owns everything. And lastly, he needs nothing. He needs nothing. So you would think about this idea of God's independence or self-sufficiency is a, is a bit of an insider talk, right? Like, maybe it's making sense to you to a degree going, well, this is, this is helpful, but but this is kind of insider talk. Like, I'm not going to take it out to the beach today. Like, if I'm going to share Christ with someone, if I'm going to share the gospel with someone, especially this post-Christian society of Australia that we live in, I sure as heck ain't going to talk about these, these things that we're talking about today. But that's exactly what the Apostle Paul did. Do you understand? He, uh, go, to, go to Acts 17. I'll, I'll show you what I mean. And In the book of Acts, um, this is exactly what's happening. Uh, Paul is, is there, and I mean, at, at, he's, talk about, you know, post-Christian or whatever, you know, secular. He's with Stoic philosophers, and uh, he's with all of these um, people who just talk, 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 and uh, you'd think he's going to, I don't know, probably not start about God being self-sufficient and, and all this stuff, but, but nevertheless... Come to Acts 17, verse 22. So Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the object of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you, the God who made the world and everything in it, being the Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man. They believed that. So he's saying, uh, he's, notice how he starts there. I, I walked around, I saw an inscription, it's pretty, pretty cheeky, pretty clever, to an unknown God, right? So we covered our base. And he says, no, 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 the God I'm talking about, he doesn't live in man-made temples. Verse 25, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind Life and breath 
and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined a lot of periods and the boundaries of their dwelling places, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way around toward him and find him. Yet, and he goes on, and then he, hears, he, he says this here in verse 28, in him we live and move and have our being. Isn't that interesting? I, I find that Paul has an opportunity here. I mean, this would be like Albanese saying, come to Parliament, Rob. You, we're going to give you 20 minutes. Right? Or, or any of you. Forget me. They wouldn't let me in. Right? I'm an alien in this, in this country still. Right? But they, they let Andrew in. They say, Andrew, you got 20 minutes, mate. You're from Canberra anyways. We're going to give you 25 you know, they say about people from Canberra? No, no. No, but um, you got 25 minutes. And Andrew launches into this idea of God's aseity. And you go, bro, what are you doing? That's exactly what Paul does. Pointing it to Christ. Because in him we live and move and have our being. You know, it's interesting in the book of Job as well. Because some of you are like, okay, well, that's nice for evangelism. But, you know, dude, I've had a really hard year. And this is why I'm hesitant to come to church because it's all these abstract ideas. I've had, a really hard, I've had a really hard year. Don't you get it? Don't you, don't you understand my suffering? Okay, well, let's take the book of Job. You know the story, right? And what happens at the book of Job, it's not just in the beginning where, you know, he cops it, but at the very end, what does God say to him? He goes, oh, I tried to make it, I tried to make this stop and I couldn't. I, was so, I really tried, and I, I, you know what? I wanted to, but there's this autonomy of man and me. No, no, no. What does he say? Where were you when I made the world? Uh, I wasn't there. Exactly. <laughs> right? That's how, he, that's how he, God gives Job this whole speech at the end. It almost seems kind of when you first read it, like, that's a bit insensitive. Don't, I mean, like, but God's saying, I am self-existent. You need me, not the other way around. And you're not going to understand all these things, Joe, but you can trust me because I'm independent, I'm good, I'm gracious. And that's what, exactly what Paul picks up in Romans 11 after he's launched 11 chapters. He picks up this same idea from the end of Job, and he says this, Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counselor, or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Now, that last bit is a loaded sentence, but, but look carefully at the words Paul describes, uses to describe God. Can you see it? He says, from him, meaning the Lord has created and provided everything. And don't miss this. He didn't create this universe and then decide to go on holiday. Quite the opposite. He's actively involved in the smallest details of nature and history. Nothing happens without his power. Look back at this verse again. Can you see the phrase, through him? He is not dependent on the world for his existence or his self-fulfillment. He possesses life in and of himself. It, it is amazing to him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. 
That is the self-existing, self-sufficient God that we look to for salvation. That is the God when we open our mouths this year that we try to describe. Massive. And, the, and here's why I really want, especially next week, is absolutely mission critical that you're here. Dan's going to talk about one of God's massive attributes called the holiness of God. Because what's the very, what's the, how do you hear people talk about God nowadays? God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. That's usually what people say. Or if you cop it and you get kicked in the teeth, well, God, God loves you and, 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 and he loves you and he really loves you and he wants to love you and he's trying to love you right now and, and all this stuff. But in Isaiah 6, I won't, I won't spoil it for you, Dan, the Lord gives his own description of himself. It's actually not love, love, love. No, that's a true characteristic of God. On that cliff hanger, I'll, I'll let you come, that, come back next week. But let me say this. Too often, we don't do the hard work and don't put our shoulder to understanding the character of God, and then when we get kicked in the teeth, we're on the back foot trying to make sense of it all. Does that make sense? So in other words, or one of our friends cop it, and we have... Um, Oh, mate, I'm so sorry. You know, uh, John 3.16 says, um, or whatever I could find on Google two minutes ago, um, some proof text from a paraphrased Bible that didn't really make sense to your situation very well. well. That's helpful. But we need to put our shoulder to it the next few weeks and say, how can this shape and color the way that we worship, think, pray, counsel, help our friends? Does that make sense? So that when they cop it, forget yourself, maybe you have a decent year. How you, do, you, do you really want to, the best way you can help your friends isn't just slapping them with a proof text, but pointing them to the character of God. You can trust the Lord. God is holy. God is unchanging. Well, how do you know? Well, the Bible says he does not change like shifting shadows. And because of that, we can, our Salvation is anchored in Him. See how, like that's that's that you can do that, guys. You you can do, just what I just said. I'm, I'm I don't have that like in my notes. That's just that. But that that's you can grip that. Versus, well, don't be anxious about anything. The Bible says. Oh, thanks, thanks for the Jesus juke. Right, but but you can actually point people to the character of God, and that's why I'm I'm so stoked. Those of you that are streaming as well. And pray that this series does exactly that. That we're able to fix our eyes, fix, set our minds on things above. Christ is seated at the right hand of God. That we're able to think big thoughts after God. So, with that said, be here next week, but let, let me pray to close this up. Heavenly Father, we come before you again as needy people. Lord, we thank you for the truths about yourself found in your word. Lord, we pray that as we reflect on that, not only for our own lives, the way that we spend our money and spend our time, we pray that that would 
not only have a radically impact the way that we do those things in our own life, but the way that we speak about you to others and help our friends, our loved ones. Lord, may these truths resonate deep and, and not be unlodged, but sink deep because they're about you and your character. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.